Welcome to Keep Calm and Homeschool On. My name is Rebecca Spooner, homeschool mom of five young children. I blog over at homeschoolon.com. Actually, not really, not blogging much of anything these days. I'm also the creator of Gather Around Homeschool Curriculum, and I am doing a podcast today titled A Woman After God's Own Heart. And I want to talk a little bit about specifically the Bible reading passages we've been doing lately, which is 1 Samuel. If you've been joining us for a read through the Bible in a year, if you have not been joining us and are just jumping in and have heard this for the very first time, I have a free Bible reading plan. You can jump in wherever you want. You can join us now and finish the rest next year, or you can start at day one. It's a totally free, beautiful printable. Um, so you guys can get that. I will make sure to link that in this podcast episode. If you are listening to this podcast over on the app, then I will put it in the freebie section. So you guys can go there and you can download it from there as well. So two places to find it. Want to make sure you are aware of that and now we're going to get started. So the rule with me is, A, I am not a professional podcaster, okay? I'm sitting in my room. There's probably going to be some kids barging in. I decided not to do this at 12 o'clock at night, which is rare for me, so I may actually say things clearer, which is just amazing. However, there may be noise. I am not professional. Um, I can talk really, really, really fast, and I just kind of do what I do. Um, And so, yeah, just fair warning, guys. Fair warning. I'm slightly ranty, okay? Secondly, this is all about Jesus. I am a homeschool podcast that mostly doesn't really talk that much about homeschooling these days, but you know, sometimes, sometimes it just comes up and I just have some burning homeschool thing on my heart and I'm gonna say it, so stay tuned for those. Third, the rule is, find yourself a cup of coffee or tea or hot chocolate or a a chocolate bar. I don't know, something, something, something. And for those of you that do dishes while you listen, you know what? I just, I just feel like we need to take a moment right now and say, these are the people we should emulate. Like I wish I was doing dishes except for that I don't, right? Okay. So let's get started with today's podcast episode. All right. So in our Bible reading this week, um, really this past month, I guess, this past few weeks, I don't know, where are we at guys? We have been reading about, um, we've been reading in 1 Samuel about David and Saul and the whole progression. Judges, remember we were going from judges over the land and by the end of that, the people of Israel were saying, that's not enough, we want a king. And it's always a little bit, you know, we don't fully understand with the culture that we have today, why that would be such a, a negative thing. But the reality was, is that the Israelites were essentially saying, saying, instead of God leading us, we want a king over us. We want to be like everyone else. We don't want to be counterculture anymore. We, with just the prophets and the judges, we want to be like the culture all around us. And we see that, like, look at churches, look at us today. This isn't actually something that is so outside the realm of our understanding, if you think of it in that perspective. Because how often are we trying to do things for the sake of being like everyone else or or being understood by everybody else, even in our churches? Let's do these things so that outsiders will understand. And so we begin to cater to or begin to change to become like the world around us. But the thing is that God called us to be different, to be set apart, to be of the world, but not 
not in the world. You know what I mean? In the world, but not of the world. I got that mixed up. Anyways, the point is, is that we are here. We are here on earth, but we are called to be set apart. We are people of God. And so the Israelites were called to be set apart. They were called to be different. They were called to have God as the ultimate and only authority over them, to go to him for everything. If you look at the examples, even when we start reading about Saul and he's becoming king and he's, you know, doing these different things. And before everything, before they would go down before anything, they would say, well, let's draw close to God. Let's see what God has to say. And God would answer them. Okay. I just feel like I just need to say that again. And I know this was God's, oh, I feel like, sorry, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. This was my whole podcast basically last week is he is close. And if you did not listen to that, I encourage you to go listen to that. Um, for those of you that aren't on the app, I missed uploading that one. So I'm going to do that. But the app is now just so easy that that is where you're going to get the newest podcast episodes. So sorry. Um, anyways, I did a podcast episode last week and I really just kind of talked for a few minutes about the fact that I believe that God speaks. And I think that it's really difficult to read something like this. Like we've been reading about God speaking all the way up till now in the Bible. Like where, where is God not speaking? (sighs) They drew close to God. They asked him questions and God spoke to them. Now, you know, what's cool about the Bible is it doesn't tell us how, I mean, not always. In these passages, it doesn't tell us how. It's not saying God spoke to them in an audible voice booming from the clouds that sounded like thunder and lightning. No, it's not saying that. It's saying God spoke and God said. They drew close to him and they they sought God for, should we go and conquer? Should we go down? Have you given them into our hands? And he answered them. We don't know how. I love that. I love the mystery of that. Sometimes, you know, God, God actually came and showed himself as an, as, um, you know, people actually saw, sometimes he speaks audibly. I mean, for sure there's dreams, there's visions, there's other ways that God speaks, but I don't think that's the only way God speaks. It doesn't have to be thunder rumbling. I have never audibly heard the voice of God. So I love that. I love that they drew close to God and that he spoke, he answered them. He answered them every time they drew close with a question. Anyway, see tangent, but this is just like probably right now, the most prevalent thing on my heart is I feel like God's people, his church is being called to draw close to him. And so here we're talking about being a woman after God's own heart and I am all over the place. So let's go back. So we're talking about the Israelites who now have said to Samuel, the prophet, we want to have a king. We want to be like everyone else, put a king over us, establish one. So Samuel goes to God and is like, well, what, what do you say about this? Like, let's talk about it. And God is like, you know what? They, they are totally dishonoring me in this. They are rejecting me as their king and they want their own, but I'm going to give it to them. And so he tells him to warn the Israelites. The Israelites are very aware of the fact that they are rejecting God by doing this. And yet they do not relent. They want a king. They want a king. They want a king. So Saul is chosen. Saul is chosen to be king. And we see this progression through 1 Samuel of the very, very short reign of Saul. And it's incredibly short until Samuel says that, you know, you're done. God has rejected you as as king and he's chosen as someone else close to his heart. He has chosen someone else. And yet Saul still reigned for quite a while after that. Saul is still in power, even though the spirit of God has left him, even though he has, he has, he's, he's no longer, he knows he no longer has God's favor. He still is in that place of authority, even though God has actually already set apart 
heart, David, to be the king of Israel. And I just find that so interesting. It's the in-between. And some of us right now are in this in-between season. We're in this place of, of we know what God has. We know that there's a calling. We know that there's something in front of us. And yet we're sitting here in this in-between, this waiting period where we're not seeing it happen yet. I mean, imagine this. David, this young punk of a kid, teenager, is out in the field, is called in. He's anointed. There is a calling on his life. All of a sudden, everything shifts. He's brought into Saul's presence. Saul won't even let him go. He's like, this kid is staying here. There's something on him. They, he, they love him. He is a best friend. His whole life is shifted. His whole life is shifted. And yet he's in the in-between. His very life is sought after. There was a long period of time until he stepped into the fullness of the promise that God had over his life. And I, I, this is not at all what I was going to talk about, but I really believe that there are some people listening right now that are waiting for their promise to be fulfilled. You are waiting for the promise of your life to be fulfilled. Maybe God has promised you a child. Maybe God has promised you a business. Maybe God has promised you a a ministry opportunity. Maybe he's promised you fruit or breakthrough in your marriage. Maybe he's promised you that your children will not stray. I don't know what he's promised you, but you have promises of God that you are carrying in your heart. And some of you are waiting for those. And it is weary. It is tiring to sit in a place of waiting. It's tiring to sit in this place of of wrestling with and you begin to doubt and you begin to wonder and you begin to think, is that still true? And this is one of the reasons that I love the story of David so much. Probably one of my favorite people in the entire Bible because he was a man after God's own heart heart. And I've always thought, I want to study this man. I want to understand what it is about him that made him a man after God's own heart, because I want to be a woman after God's own heart. I want to be a woman that God is just, just, I mean, he loves us all and there's no favoritism. And yet I want to be the one that he's like, ah, you got it. You're doing it. I want to please him. I want to serve him. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. I want to cultivate and become who he has called me to be. I want to walk in the fullness of the promise that he has for me. I don't want to be what the culture tells us that we need to be. I don't want to seek anyone else's approval but his. I don't. In my heart of hearts of hearts, that is what I desire. And so today's podcast episode, after a 10-minute introduction, congratulations, Rebecca, is a woman after God's own heart. Now, as I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm studying, I mean, you can look at Proverbs, you can look at women in the Bible, and you can see the ones that stand apart as being leaders. You can look at Esther, you can look at, um, you can, there's so, Rahab, you can look at Ruth, you can look at, I've been looking at many women in the Bible lately and, and how they stand apart and what makes them leaders and what makes them significant and, and what, what draws them out is their boldness. And there's so many things about them. And then you can look at the story of David and you can start to see similarities between these women women and David, between people who stand apart, between people who God declares as as righteous, between people who are, are declared in the hall of faith in Hebrews, these are the ones who have stood apart. And I look at their lives and I think, what is it in their lives that we can emulate? And you know what? I'm going to tie this right back into homeschooling, just FYI because we're homeschoolers and homeschoolers, we have a gift and that gift is being able to tie everything into homeschooling. Okay. 
So some of the character traits that I see in in this whole being a woman after God's own heart or a man or a person after God's own heart is fierceness. Fierceness. You look at David, you look at Samson, you look at any of the warriors in the Bible, any of them, Gideon, I mean, look at them. These are people who were fierce. Look at Esther, fierce. Look at Ruth, who refused to leave, refused to leave. She was fierce. Another one that really stands out to me is being modest or meek. And when we look at modesty, that is generally something that is attributed to women. And there's quite a few verses about that. But I see a correlation between modesty and meekness because both of those are something under wraps. See, we have this incredible gift of, of, of our bodies. Our bodies are a gift and God created them in an amazing way. They're not something that we need to be ashamed of. They're not something that are bad. And yet he asks us to be modest with them. And part of that is because he created us with a purpose and intent. I think you can agree that 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 is to be in a relationship, a healthy relationship where, where dad has the ability that is free. You know what I mean? My kids are running around, so I'm trying to be slightly careful in what I'm saying (laughs) and thinking your kids might be too, so hey. But modesty and meekness is the idea of something under wraps. See, meekness is power under wraps and modesty is beauty under wraps. And it's this idea, whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you are are incredibly gifted at something or not, is this idea of being under wraps, this idea of you know what you have. You have something. You have strength. You have power. You have authority. You have gifting. You have beauty. You've got this. You've got that. You have something significant, whether it's the promise that God has given you. You have something. We all carry something. And yet there are so many verses in the Bible about a a cloak, a cloak of humility, a cloak of modesty, a cloak of meekness, of being covered, of, of not portraying that or blaring that or announcing that or, or trumpeting that up and down the streets about under wraps. And I think that this is like one of those really special things that is perhaps very largely unexplored in the Christian church is that there is actually a a truth here, a key truth um, that I believe is, is really significant to being a person after God's own heart is that we are to see and be confident and fierce in what we know that we have. We know that we have it and yet we hold back for the sake of him, for the sake of his glory being bigger, for the sake of him being glorified, for the sake of his name, for the sake of other people around us, so that we are ultimately serving and not always showing ourselves as larger or greater than. There is something with that, you guys. Another one that I see with with you know people consistently throughout the Bible that we've been reading about is purity. Purity is such an important one. And this is, I was talking as well with, um, last week when I was talking about he is close, a little bit about talking to my kids about this and the importance of confession, the importance of, of confessing our sins before God and confessing our sins to one another. It's so easy to think that we are in a new covenant and therefore that's dead. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for us to say sorry. Nothing affects our righteousness. We've been declared righteous because the blood of Jesus, he paid the price for our sin once and for all. Therefore, why are we saying sorry for anything? 
And yet, over and over and over again, all of a sudden, purity, confession, that does not stop in the Old Testament. As soon as the New Testament comes about, here we have the New Covenant. You do not see any talk of purity. You do not see that we should just live however we want. Go and read Romans. Romans 5, 6, 7, 8. I read through a whole bunch of that just the other day. And that is, should we live however we want? He says, absolutely not. And he goes on. He answers all of these questions. Paul does. In Romans, saying that we are called to a life of purity. We are called to a life of righteousness. We are called to be holy. We are called to be set apart. And that means that we do not live our lives in sin. We have a new identity in Christ. We have power over sin. And when we walk in step with the Spirit, when we are in relationship with Jesus, when He is our first, when He is the King of our hearts, when we are seeking after Him more than we're seeking after ourselves, when we put him in the front of what we are doing, then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives naturally, not because of our own strength, not because we are trying to be good people, but because it naturally pours out of us because we are serving Him. We cannot serve two masters, so we are choosing to serve Him. We're in step with Him. We're in the Word. We're praying. We're in relationship with Him. Therefore, purity is a natural outpouring of that. It is. You cannot be with the most pure and sinless person, the most righteous, clean, pure lamb. You cannot spend time with him and not have that rub off on you. One second. What? Lisa put a bathroom down here. Well, there's not going to be a bathroom down here. I'm podcasting. Can you be quiet? Okay, go to the bathroom upstairs. I'm going to come back. Okay, but quieter, okay? Okay. It's bedtime, guys. It's bedtime. Okay, so purity. Purity is important. And I, I also feel a call. You know that, that verse where it says, if my people will humble themselves. If my people will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. There is something about humbling ourselves about confessing our sins, about repenting, about turning from our ways. And all of us, no matter what stage in our relationship with God we're in, we all have things that we carry. We, we all make mistakes. We, we are not perfect people. Therefore, it is important. Purity is not something that is just a one-time thing. Purity is something that we are seeking and going after on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis. Are we glorifying God with our bodies? Are we glorifying God with our time? Are we glorifying God with the way that we talk? Are we glorifying God in social media? Are we glorifying God in our, in our parenting, in our marriages? We are called to, to walk that out in worship to him every single moment of our day. Every single moment. So if we want to be a person after God's own heart, then as we spend time with him, as we cultivate relationship with him, and as we confess our sins to him, he will be faithful, not just to forgive our sins, but he helps you. He helps you. Let me tell you, I am not um, immune to sin in my life, just like anybody. But one specific one is impatience or anger. That is something I have had from the youngest I can possibly remember. I am quick to get to that. I am an impatient person, which means that I am the person that is good until boom, I'm not. I get irritated. Yes, honey. What's the, what's the little kid saying? The ba- baby thing. There's no baby talking. Hi. 
Okay, can you be quiet so I can finish this? Okay, sit on the rug back there. Okay. <laughs> no, you can't eat crackers. Sit down and wait till I'm done. Sit, 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 sit. No, no, sit down. Oh. We need to work on some purity, guys. That's what we need to work on. Okay. Or I could just cut all this and you'll have no idea that I have real life as well. Um, anyways, I, I have these things in my life. And when you have something that is maybe generational or something that's personality or something that these are things that I, I deal with and it is not just a one-time thing. It's not something I just pray for and I say, God, forgive me for my frustration. Forgive me for my bad attitude. Forgive me for my anger. And boom, there we go. I will never experience that again. No, let me tell you, I'm going to experience that again in five minutes. Okay, but the more that I seek him, the more I stop trying on my own. I'm going to just not be angry today. No, I'm going to rely on him. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to pray about it. Then he is faithful to help me. He helps me. And the days that I'm the most reliant on him are the days that I'm my best. All right. A couple more things that I see in people who are after God's own heart, I believe, is their confidence. These are people that are confident. See, they know who they are. They know their identity. They are confident in that. Nobody can sway them. Nobody can convince them otherwise. They know who they are and they know what they have and they walk forward in that. That's not to say that that there's not moments of doubt. That's not to say that that they didn't question ever. I don't know what they question, but over and over again, we see a confidence. We see a confidence in Paul. We see a confidence in Esther as she walked forward. Was she afraid? Probably. I think I would be terrified, but there's still a knowing and a certainty in her that she knew what she was supposed to do and she did it. She did it. There is a warrior mentality, and I believe that God is calling up and raising up women who are confident in their calling, who are warriors for his name, who are unafraid to walk forward. And even if they are afraid, they walk forward anyways. They walk forward anyways. One of the things I love about David is how close to his heart he is. He is so reliant on him. You guys, he is so reliant on God. He is so incredibly reliant on God. I think that that is probably one of the most compelling things to God is seeing our desire, seeing our need. When when we are just just don't need him. We're not in need of a savior. We are we have everything we need. We don't need him for food. We don't need him for money. We don't need him for this. We don't need him for that. We are just going about our day with very very little need. And oh, the random little thing that might happen in our life. Oh God, we need you for this tiny little thing, but not for anything else. Don't actually really need you in my marriage. Don't actually actually really need you and my kids until I do. Oh no, something happened. Somebody is sick or I'm having, you know, I'm fighting in my marriage or this is coming up or that is coming up. Therefore now I need you. Now you can come into this area of my life. But I believe that God is searching for people who are so reliant, so desperate for him in every single area of his, of our lives that he can infiltrate and that he, he is so, I believe, attracted. I believe he is attracted to our need. He is a savior. That is who he is. He saves and saviors are, are looking for people who need to be saved. Now, I'm not saying we should all be some hot mess who are just completely like unable to get out of bed. But listen to me, you can go through your day and you can cultivate a desire. You can cultivate a passion. You can cultivate a desperate need for God, even when things are good. 
You can cultivate that. You can ask for that. You want to have a hunger for God's word. You want to have a passion for his name. You feel like you're being lukewarm. You feel like there's nothing, there's nothing there. You're just going through the motions. You feel like, like you are just kind of just stuck or stuck in a rut. This isn't something again on our own strength that we can just do. This is something that we pray for. You ask God for, you say, God, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for your name. I want, I want to be hungry to read your word because right now I just don't want to. Hey, call it as it is. Pray and ask him into that area of your life. And and even in the small little things, he begins to move. He begins to bring freedom. He begins to, to bring anointing. He begins to move in areas of our life. If you feel like your marriage or your homeschool or your parenting is in a good place right now, imagine how much more so if you were to give it over to God and say, I want more. I want more of you in this area. I want more of you in this. If this is how I'm doing on my own, I can't even imagine what it would be like if you just had your hand in this. See, when we begin to do that, when we begin to invite Holy Spirit into every aspect of our lives, things change. Things change. And you begin to cultivate in yourself and to stir up a passion to stir up a reliance, a desperation for him, that you need him in everything. That that song becomes real. I need you every hour. And that comes from needing him in the small things, little by little, little by little, little by little, and you begin to grow in that. And that brings me to what I see as the final thing that that is, is evident in so many of these people in the Bible is their passion. I mean, God is very clear that he is looking for be hot or be cold. But if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. He is looking for passion. But let me tell you, I will be the first to admit I get very unmotivated in areas of my life. I have been very unmotivated in my Bible reading plan. Okay, this last like week and a half, I have caught up a whole month. That's right, people. I have been incredibly unmotivated in my Bible reading plan. I have been incredibly unmotivated in school incredibly unmotivated in homeschooling my children. I have been unmotivated in every area of my life. I go through whole seasons where I don't feel like doing a thing. And then I go through seasons where I'm like a crazy person, the energizer bunny, but I'm up and down. I'm all over the place. If, if, if we're looking to me as the model for, for this, if we're looking to me for the model of passion, I am an incredibly passionate person incredibly, insanely passionate. Actually, I, I feel like I am probably like one of the most passionate people I know. I am crazy. However, even as passionate as I am, I go through whole seasons where I'm completely unmotivated, where I feel dead, where there's nothing. I know deep in my heart, my spirit wants more. I want more of God. And yet there's no feeling there. There's nothing there. I go through times when, when, because I have not been cultivating, because I have not been close to his heart, things just feel distant. I just feel disengaged. I'm not there. And how do you get out of that? What do you do? What do you do to cultivate that passion? You want to be this person. You want to be a woman after God's heart. You want to be fierce. You want to be pure. You want to be confident. You want to be a warrior. You want to be passionate. You want to be desperate for him. Those all sound good, but how do you do that? How do you do that? If you're feeling like you're in a rut, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling um, unmotivated, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling discouraged, see in those seasons, That's what I'm talking about. Those are the seasons where you say, God, give me a passion. Renew it. Stir it up. 
Give me a taste. Let me taste and see. Remind me. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to remind me. I give you permission to remind me every day. I ask you to infiltrate my day. I ask you to infiltrate my my marriage and my family and my kids and my homeschooling. Infiltrate my sleep. Interrupt my sleep. And you begin to ask him to give you this hunger and this passion and to cultivate that within you. Because it's not something that we can do in and of ourselves. He is the one who takes our heart of stone and makes it a heart of flesh. It is him. And if you want to maintain that, then you stay close to his heart. You draw close to him and you form this desperate reliance on him. And it will change and mark your life forever. Now, I said I was going to bring this back to homeschooling. And so here I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to put my daughter to bed. Um, Where this comes into homeschooling, specifically when we're talking about being that confident warrior, is I feel like there is a hill. And I feel like we as homeschoolers are balancing on this top of this hill. And see, just like the Israelites were set apart, imagine them on the top of this hill. And on either side of them is, is the rest of the world. They feel like they stick out like a sore thumb, okay? The rest of the world with their kings and their rulers. And here they are. Oh, we just follow God, this, this unseen person that none of you believe. Yep, that's us. And so they stuck out like a sore thumb. Just in the same way, we as homeschoolers are standing on a hill. On all around us, on all sides of us is the culture, is the world. The world who is telling us one side or the other. One side of them is saying, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're a mom. You're killing it. You know what? You kept the kids alive today. Yeah. You know what? That's amazing. Just, just doing anything is amazing. So you need to stop feeling guilty right now. You know, these are the ones that are like that, that like, come on, you need to stop feeling guilty right now. Okay. You're killing it. Your kids would be nothing without you. Like you gave birth like right there, like mic drop. You nailed it. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So on one side, you got those people. And on the other side, you have the judgment and the guilt. And this is both from ourselves and this is from the rest of the world. And this is specific because I want to talk about right now, a woman after God's own heart in homeschooling right now, we're coming to the end of the year. And you know what happens every time we hit the end of a year as homeschoolers, every time we look at the work that we've done that year, we look at the growth in our kids and we say, "Ah, we failed every year. Every year this comes up, maybe not for everybody, but every year this comes up for some people. Every year they look at their year and they decide whether they feel like they succeeded or they failed. They decide on that hill whether they're going to fall to the right or whether they're going to fall to the left. And on the left is a terrible muddy bog of self-guilt and judgment and hatred. And the world is right there to back you up, right there. Yeah, that's right. You're homeschooling your kids. You're failing them. I got um, an email the other day and I probably shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to because this is this, this, this. Uh, I got an email the other day from somebody who um, who was interested, had some questions about about curriculum and stuff like that. Um, and they said, you know, I, I just, I'm a grandma and I, my daughter's been homeschooling and she's just, she's made a total mess of it. She's totally failed her kids. And so I'm going to take over and, and basically make this better. And I want to know how this fits in with outcomes and how, you know, this is going to give them a GPA of blah, 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 and, and how they're going to get a diploma out of this and all of this stuff. And I just thought instantly what rose up in me is, oh, this is that side, right? This side of you're a failure. 
See, if you're not meeting these certain outcomes, if your kids do not progress along this line, therefore you are a failure. Now, if you've been following me for any length of time, you know that I believe that 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 arbitrary line is exactly that arbitrary and it's meaningless. The idea that your kids have to follow along this path, actually your kid is its own unique individual <laughs> with their own unique brain and their own unique makeup. And, and they are going to learn when they are developmentally ready and when they are interested. Those are the two ingredients that are needed for a healthy learning environment and nobody gets to tell your kid when they're ready. No one. They decide when they're ready and they actually get to decide when they're interested in things too. Now it's not to say we don't ever push our kids and we don't persevere past things. We do. And we want to teach them, you know, good character traits and we want to teach them good work ethic and all of those things matter. They do. They really, really do. But at the end of the day, when it comes to school, when it comes to school, your kids are going to have breakthrough when they're going to have breakthrough. They just are. Listen, (laughs) just true story. I have never finished a math curriculum in my life. Whoa. Just let this settle for a minute. No, I'm like, I'm not talking like, oh, I go to like the last week. No, I've maybe done like half or quarters of books forever. My oldest is going into grade eight. Okay. We have never done more, for sure, never more than half. I don't even know if we've made it halfway in any math book ever. (laughs) So I have some kids that went in for testing this past year and came back with some developmental delays. But guess what? Neither of them were delayed in math. Explain this to me. Explain this to me. How my kids have never finished a math curriculum. I have done quarters, snatches, I've reviewed curriculum, I've tried stuff and then I've failed. Or it's not even that I've tried stuff and failed, it's that I've tried stuff and just, just I've gotten too busy with work and I've just not done it. And oh look, we did four weeks of math this past semester. Like guys, I'm not even joking here. But my kids are learning. You know why they're learning? Because my daughter bakes incessantly, like incessantly, annoyingly incessantly. She comes downstairs, mom, can I bake? Now I'm not up there teaching her about fractions even. You guys don't like, don't get this picture of me. I'm upstairs like, yes, dear. No, see, I didn't do traditional math with my kids, but I taught them through life. No, I didn't teach them at all, at all. I taught them nothing, okay? I don't know, where are they learning? Television? <laughs> like, I don't know where they're getting this stuff. Okay, they're they're baking, they're they're spending money, they're saving money, they're how much can I buy for this? My daughter too. I just did some testing with her today, super behind phonetically. But that's not me. That is a developmental thing that we're dealing with, something we're trying to figure out, some speech therapy and different things. However, we got no problems in math. And I've never done any with her. <laughs> I mean, little bits, discussions, real life stuff, but, but not really anything super intentional. You guys, you guys, I'm not saying that's the answer for everybody. I'm not, but see, I look at this and I think, okay, if I'm marking and I am determining my success based on the world, then I am failing somewhere. Someone is going to tell me I'm failing or someone's going to be clapping me and raising me up when I shouldn't be. And I know it putting me on some pedestal just to make me feel good about myself. There is a balance. And that balance is you are on this hill because you were called here. You are called to be set apart. God has placed you here. He has positioned you here for your children. Not what everyone else thinks. Not everybody else's children. See, not the arbitrary line of the world. He's called your kids to be set apart. So you need to ask him what he has for your homeschool. What's his measuring stick for your homeschool? Because if you are looking at that line, if you are looking at what has my kid learned, how much of their school books have they done? Well, if if that's my line, then wow, I have failed, okay? But if my line is, hey, are my kids actually learning and growing? Yes, 
Yes, they are. Could I do better? Yes. Yes, I could. And so then I take it to God. And I did that this past weekend. I took a weekend away. I stayed in a hotel. And I know not everyone can do that. That's the first time I've ever done that in my life. Um, and, and just spent time with God. And I asked him, God, like in my business and with my homeschool, what does this line look like? And, and, and how do I balance all of this? And where are you wanting me to pull back? And where are you wanting me to invest? And, and I know that I could do better with my kids. And what does this look like? And, and I really felt like he gave me clarity of, I want you to block off this time with your kids. And I want you to block off this time for work. And I want you to stick to that. And I'm not asking you to totally sacrifice everything in one area or the other. I'm asking you to find some balance. There is a healthy balance. Doesn't mean it's everyday balance. It's overall balance. But the point is, is that I am going to seek him and I'm going to become desperately reliant on him because I'm teetering on a hill, you guys, so that I don't fall to the left or fall to the right. Instead, keeping my eyes fixed on him and the calling he has on my life for my children for such a time as this. I believe we can be women after God's own heart in our homeschools. I believe we can be women after God's own heart in our marriages, in our parenting, in our friendships, in our ministries, in our jobs. In every capacity of your life, God is calling you to be set apart He has placed within you, he has a plan, he has a purpose, and he has a promise for you. And he is calling you to step into that with a fierce reliance on him, with passion and to be confident and yet meek, power under wraps, and to walk forward every day seeking him in every area of your life. And that is when you're going to begin to see fruit. That is when you're going to begin to see breakthrough. Not looking at the world, but instead being set apart. So that's my encouragement for you today. That's what I have gotten out of Samuel so far. If you have not joined or have no desire to join a Read Through the Bible in a Year plan, because you're like me and you're all or nothing and you're probably not going to do it, um, that's totally fine. No judgment from me, okay? Because I have been hit and miss, let me tell you. But you can go ahead and read 1 Samuel if you want. We are now um, jumping in. Now we're now that we're here, we're in David, right? So we're like a psalm here and then a little bit here and then a psalm here and then a little bit here. So we're all over the place now. Um, so you can catch that schedule. Like I said, I'll put it in the app under freebies or I will link it right here in the podcast. However, you do not have to do that with us. Just hop in, join Join us in Samuel if you want. We would love to hear what you think. You can talk in this this, um, blog post if you go to homeschoolon.com and go to podcasts and find this one, A Woman After God's Own Heart. Or you can go to my free app, which is Gather Around Homeschool for my curriculum. And you can go to the podcast chat. So in that community, there's an actual chat. And the cool thing is, is that you could be listening to this podcast and chatting at the same time. (laughs) Just think about it. So anyways, I'm going to try to be really committed to posting these on Wednesdays now that I have a studio, a place I can record where hopefully I won't get interrupted. Um, so stay tuned for those. I will be posting them first in the app. So that's going to be the, the fastest way to get them, but I'll make sure to eventually get them everywhere else too. So 
Anyways, thank you so much for joining in. I would love to hear what you think and what God is laying on your heart during the season of turmoil and for a lot of people, intense difficulty and for a lot of people, seasons of waiting, waiting for their promise. I would love to hear what God is saying to you during this. And I just want to close with prayer and then I'm going to let you get on with your lives. God, we thank you for every single person that is listening right now. We thank you for the promise. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our children. You have not forgotten us. You have not forgotten our children. You've not forgotten our husbands. You see us and you know us. You know us. I thank you, God, that you are calling forth warriors. I thank you, God, that you are calling forth people of your own heart. You are calling forth your church to rise up, to speak the truth in love, to to love one another, to be your hands and feet. God, I thank you that you are calling up your people to draw close to your heart, to have a passion for your name. I thank you. And I ask you, Father, to to release um, just a hunger for your word. I pray that there would be a hunger for your word. Revive that within us, that we would actually crave it, that we would actually desire it. It wouldn't be something like, oh, I should read the Bible. I want to read the Bible. I pray for a supernatural hunger for your word. I pray for a hunger for your name to be glorified. I pray for a boldness, a supernatural boldness to step forward, to speak God when you want us to speak. I pray you would open our spiritual ears and our eyes to hear you and see you in every circumstance, in every every relationship, in every conversation. I pray we would glorify you and lift you up and worship you with the way that we live our lives, with the way that we homeschool our kids, with the way that we communicate with our husbands, God. I pray that we would glorify you in everything. I pray that we would begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit in our homes. I pray that in our families and our homeschools, Father, that you would be magnified and glorified. I pray you would be welcome, Holy Spirit, into our homeschools and that you would begin to to change and shift the atmosphere in our homes, that there would be peace between our children children, peace between our marriages, peace in our families, God, joy. God, I pray that there would be joy. I pray that you would just infiltrate our homes and our homeschools and our lives and our minds and our hearts, Father, and we would begin to see victory over sin. We would begin to see victory over sickness. We would begin to see victory in our marriages. God, I pray that you would move in a new and a powerful way because you are a powerful God and you are not dead and you are doing new and powerful things and you are moving God. So I thank you for what you're doing. I pray that hope would arise within us and faith would arise within us. And I thank you for everything you are doing. We just praise your name. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus name we pray this. Amen.